0: Two things are crystal clear. The public has an absolute right to know the president's medical condition. That's one. Number two, the president has an absolute right not to tell you what his condition is. And the doctors have an absolute obligation to listen to the president under medical ethics and medical law. So we have a clash. We have a conflict between the public's right to know and the president's right to not let you know. How should that conflict be resolved? You'll hear it on The Der Show. The public does have a right to know what the president's actual medical situation is. But the president also has a right, under medical ethics and under the law, not to tell you about his medical condition. There is a conflict. It's not as simple as the New York Times editorial board or many editorial writers seem to suggest, it's not just the right to know. It's the right to preserve confidentiality and privacy, and those clash even when the patient is the president of the United States. Now, President Trump has two sets of doctors, presumably, like many other people who work for the government. He has his own private doctor paid for by himself, just like he has his own private lawyer paid for by himself. And then he has the White House doctor and the doctors provided by Walter Reed uh, Medical Center. And these doctors may have somewhat different obligations in relation to the public and relation to the private patient. Remember that every private patient has a general right not to have their medical history disclosed. It's covered by law, it's covered by legal ethics, it's covered by the traditions of the medical profession. But there are exceptions, there are exceptions. Uh, For example, if you bring your child into the emergency room for treatment and your child has indications that he or she has been physically assaulted or sexually assaulted, the doctors have an obligation beyond your medical relationship with them to disclose it to the public. But guess what the consequences of that are? The fact that doctors have an obligation to disclose injuries uh, to the government means that fewer and fewer parents who have injured their children bring them in for treatment. There's no free lunch here. When you require disclosure by doctors... What you're doing is you're reducing the incentive of the patient to make disclosure to the doctors. The reason we have these privacy laws is we want every patient to be completely upfront with their doctors. It's the same reason we have legal protections. My clients come in and bear their souls to me sometimes. Sometimes they lie to my face, but sometimes they bear their souls. When they bear their souls and arguably even admit their crimes... They're doing it because I have an obligation not to disclose it. If I were to suddenly pick up the phone and say, "Hey, hey, prosecutor, guess what? My client just told me, wow, you'll be really interested. I'll never have another client. And if I ever did, they would never tell me anything that was confidential. They would just tell me what they wanted me to tell the prosecution. Unfortunately, to a degree, the same thing is true with medical care. If you go to a doctor and you start disclosing that you have, for example, a sexually transmitted disease, you want to make sure that that doesn't appear on page 6 of the New York Post. You also want to make sure, if you're a married man, for example, that the doctor doesn't call your spouse. Now, there are rules that sometimes require that they do call your spouse. If you have a communicable disease and can communicate it to anybody, the doctors may have an obligation to make disclosures. we have a very complex situation, a president with private doctors, a president with a White House doctor, a president with doctors provided by Walter Reed. Now, the fact that he's going to a governmental hospital doesn't change the rules. Most of the patients at Walter Reed are veterans or government employees. Uh, that's their hospital. They don't give up their right of privacy just because they earn the right to go to Walter Reed as a result of the sacrifices they may have made on the battlefield, they still have a patient-doctor confidential uh, communication. Now, when you're the President of the United States, obviously the world needs to know what your condition is. Well, maybe we should pass a law. If we were to pass a law requiring doctors to make full disclosures to the public or to Congress about a President's medical condition, That would presumably free the doctors of any legal obligation. Would it free them of an ethical obligation? That's a complex and difficult question. But would it result in a president withholding information from his doctors? Uh, Perhaps yes. This is not the first time that we've had a sick president. Grover Cleveland, uh, Woodrow Wilson, John Kennedy, Dwight Eisenhower, Lyndon Johnson, all had serious medical problems. Remember the situation with Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon was so concerned about disclosures that when he went to seek psychiatric treatment, he wouldn't go to a psychiatrist because he didn't want it to get out that he had seen a psychiatrist. He went to a general practitioner who was an expert in psychiatry. That's how careful and cautious political figures are about revealing their medical information. Remember, we had a vice presidential candidate who was taken off the ticket because it was disclosed that he had had shock therapy as a younger man. So the balance between the public's right to know, which is very strong and very powerful when you have the President of the United States and when you have the 25th Amendment and the various rules of succession, and you have the stock market reacting to every blip in the president's temperature, and you have an ongoing campaign where a president's health is obviously of concern to the voters, you have a very, very strong case for complete public disclosure. On the other hand, you still have an individual patient. The one thing that's clear, clear beyond any dispute, clear in legal ethics, clear in the law, Clear in the public's right to know, clear in every aspect of this case, is that no doctor has a right actively to deceive the public. No matter what your patient tells you, you can't lie. You can't tell the public a lie. And you shouldn't be able to tell the public a half-truth. It was concerning when the White House doctor said, well, he didn't have oxygen today and he didn't have oxygen on the day before, But did he have oxygen? Well, but he didn't have oxygen today. He doesn't have oxygen now. Uh, That's not the kind of semi-disclosures that I think the law or ethics contemplates. Like with a lawyer, you really have only two options. If somebody asks me as a lawyer, uh, did your client commit the crime? You can't say, well, you know, he didn't commit a crime yesterday or today. Uh, You either say no comment, I refuse to answer because I have a privileged communication. Or you tell the truth. But you can't fudge the truth. And particularly when you're the doctor for the President of the United States, you can't be misleading. I'm not making any accusations here. I'm just laying out the rules. The rules allow you not to disclose in certain circumstances. They require you to disclose in other circumstances where there's communicable diseases and other exceptions. Um, They permit you to disclose if your patient seeks disclosure, but the one thing that's clear is no law, ethics, tradition, or practice allows you to be deceptive. This isn't Japan. In Japan, there's a long medical tradition of doctors lying to their patients. If a doctor gets back a blood test or a CAT scan that shows the patient has two months to live, the patient is definitely going to die in Japan, at least until recently. I can't confirm that it's still the rule because so many Japanese doctors are now trained in the United States and Great Britain and elsewhere, but the traditional rule in Japan is you lie to your patient. You say, oh, you're going to be fine. The CAT scan was good. You're going to recover. Don't worry. The theory is that a patient's chances of recovery increase when they're optimistic. The American approach is quite different. Patient has a right to know the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Is that true of a 95-year-old demented patient? No, no. But is it true of a 74-year-old coherent patient? Yes, patient has an absolute right to know the truth. And the patient has an absolute right to say to the doctor, now that you've told me the truth, I don't want you to tell anybody else. And the doctor has to respond by saying, all right, I'll comply with your wishes, I won't say anything, but I cannot go out there and tell a half-truth. I cannot go out there and mislead the public. That's not part of my ethical or moral or legal obligation. So it's complicated, it's difficult. In the end, the truth will come out because we live in an age where there are no secrets. You know, this is not John Kennedy's America. John Kennedy had Addison's disease, he had other illnesses, he kept it from the public. Um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt had cardiac illness, he had high, very high blood pressure and the American public had a right to know that, particularly when he picked his vice president in 1944. It was a great contest between who would be the vice president in 44. Why was that so important? Because everybody in the White House knew he was not gonna live out his term, that with his medical conditions, Franklin Roosevelt would die sometime between 1944 and 1948. He died in 1945 and his vice president, fortunately, he was well chosen and became a great president, Harry S. Truman. But the public had the right to know, and the public has been misled, deceived, lied to, not told for years and years and years and years and years years, uh, from presidencies, from Grover, Cleveland on. And who knows, we don't really have records for what happened before that. So maybe we need new laws. Maybe we need laws that balance on the side of disclosure that say, look, if you're the president of the United States, a, your medical records have to be disclosed, and while we're at it, maybe we should pass a law that your tax records have to be disclosed. Again, the IRS has rules. They cannot reveal tax records. In fact, on this program in the future, we will talk about how the New York Times got a whole of uh, President Trump's tax records. It couldn't have been in a lawful manner because everybody who has access to the tax records has a confidential requirement of non-disclosure from the IRS to his private lawyers to his private accountants. So we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see how the Times got a hold of his tax records, but I'm sure the Times would also get a hold of his medical records. There are no secrets today. We live in a very, very different world. Just look what happened in this case. The president's doctors give a hunky-dory report on the steps of the hospital saying everything's fine, everything's good. And then within hours, first off the record and then on the record, his chief of staff says, "Mm, wait a minute, Uh, he went through some very serious uh, medical situations. Uh, There was blood oxygen level reduction. He had a high fever. And the road to recovery isn't clear. Presumably, the president was not happy with that disclosure from the chief of staff. But it happened. And it's going to happen. There are too many people with too many close relationships with too many journalists Um, I remember myself, I went to the White House to have a secret meeting with the President um, and his staff about the Middle East. Uh, The agreement was that nobody would know about it. I was going to help behind the scenes because I know Prime Minister Netanyahu well and I know the Israelis well and they asked for my advice and the understanding was that it would never be disclosed that I went to the White House Um, and I was there for about an hour and there it was in in the New York Times that I was there conferring with the president, and we don't know who made the disclosure, but there are no secrets today in the White House. Everything gets disclosed, usually on the same day. If not on the same day, a day or two later. If not then, then certainly to Woodward or Bernstein or or somebody else or Maggie Haberman, who has <clears throat> very close relationships with people in the White House, a reporter for the New York Times. So. There are no secrets. That's probably a good thing, um, but it probably has a cost. The cost is that president, anybody else, is not going to be able to keep their medical records completely confidential uh, for long. Unbalance, public right to know is too important, and probably we need to change the rules so that we are on top of everything. We have to know, certainly when we cast our ballot... On November 3rd, or mail ballots, I'm going to cast my ballot in the next couple of days. um, We have to know what the president's health is. We have to know whether the vice president, uh, Joe Biden, has tested negative, he has so far, for the virus. We have to know everything we can about the health conditions. So it's not as simple. It's not as simple as it's made out to be. It's complicated by a morass of laws, ethics, traditions, and the public's right to know. On balance, the media generally prevails. It generally finds out the truth one way or another. So I think we know a great deal about the president's condition. And whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or independent, whether you're a, uh, a hate-Trumper or love-Trumper or somebody who has a balanced view, I think everybody can join us in hoping the president has a a quick and full recovery, and that there is an honest election, and that one party or the other wins, that the election is not disputed, that there is a peaceful transfer of power, and that we have, sitting in the Oval Office for the next four years, a healthy president who can govern effectively and can be the president of all the people. Wow, what a fond hope. Is it realistic? Probably not. One more issue I wanted to discuss with you today. I broke a record uh, this this week. Uh, I may end up in the Guinness Book Book of Records. So on the uh, 23rd of um, September, I came up with an idea, just an idea to write a book about the confirmation process of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's replacement. Um, The president was uh, announcing the replacement. I wrote an email on the 23rd of September to my publisher saying, hey, I have an idea. What about if I do a relatively quick book on the confirmation process and we'll try to get it out before the hearings begin so people will have access to my ideas about what kind of questions should be asked the nominee? And the publisher late that afternoon wrote back and said, sure, okay, if you can get it to us uh, in the next week or so, we'll try our best to publish it before the 15th. Well, I just turned on all my engines, and I I got them the whole book uh, about five days later. That probably breaks the record. They got it published on the eighth day. Eight days from idea, from conception, to having a book published on Kindle that you can press a button, and for $4.98 you can read my 120 pages of, of what I've uh, uh written, so my publisher is sending it into the Guinness Book of Records. We think no book in history has ever been published between eight days from conception to the end result uh It's up to you to decide whether it's a good book uh please read it, please review it uh on amazon and uh and ask me questions about it on this show, and so um we'll be back we'll talk about the uh, matter of uh, her confirmation and we'll do it during the time of the confirmation hearings so when you read my book it's a primer the subtitle the name of the book by the way is confirming justice or injustice question mark a guide to judging rbgs a replacement so it is a guide i hope it's an objective guide i hope it's a neutral guide I hope when you read it, you'll say, on the one hand, on the other hand, um, here are the pros, here are the cons. Should the president have made the nomination? Should the Congress be considering it? Is she the right candidate? Should Ruth Bader Ginsburg have retired while she could have been replaced by President Obama? All of these issues are addressed um, in the book, short book, um, uh, Confirming Justice. So, So please read it. Thank you. And uh, we'll be back for more on The Ders Show. I promised you, you'd never be bored. The news makes me keep my promise. The news keeps making things exciting for all of us. And the issues are always more complex than the newspapers make it appear. So today on The Ders Show, you've heard two issues. That will not bore you. Number one is the conflict between the public's right to know about the president's medical condition and the president's right to control information about his medical condition. You've also heard about my new book, written in eight days and published eight days after the initial conception, uh, confirming justice or injustice. I promise you, you won't be bored if you read that book. This is The Dirt Show. Remember, we'll take your calls 24-7, anytime, day or night. Make your call and I will respond on The Dirt Show. Call our listen to line at 216-710-0050. I wanna hear your questions, your comments, your criticisms, and your opinions. Remember, all calls are recorded and we reserve the right to use your questions and comments on the air. Once again, the listener line is 216-710-0050. I look forward to hearing from you. The Dirt Show is available on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts.